Good day. Welcome to Shepherd the Sheep. This is Pastor Jason Vaughn with Pastor Gino Glimro. And today we are going to discuss three important books for ecclesiology and for doing ministry in Cornerstone. And so we are going to look at what three books are probably essential to our philosophy of ministry and what you can expect to learn from them and why I would even say they're essential reads for your walk with Christ. Hey, welcome. Welcome back to uh, Shepherd the Sheep. A little, little fanfare there. A little, <laughs> little having a little fun with the switchboard. So That means this is going to be a fun oh, podcast. Fun. Yes. Well, the, honestly, all of these are fun, and uh, the danger is that we get too carried away uh, and get off the beaten track. So, uh, But today, kind of an interesting topic, near and dear to my heart, in the, in the sense that uh, I'm a reader, you're a reader, we're all readers. If you're not a reader, you should be a reader. Uh, you need to read scripture. But uh, also, there is value to reading uh, other authors who come under the authority of God's Word and try to communicate what God's Word communicates about topics. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, this would be three books that uh, I would point any person who is attending Quarterstone to read. Amen. Yeah. So the goal of our podcast is to help equip you to be a churchman. And that, you know, we've covered a range of topics, including, you know, hosting people and had special guests on for that one. Uh, But we've talked about expectations. We've talked about um, how to prepare for a Sunday gathering. We've talked about uh, how to da- navigate people with different worldviews. We've talked about the three essential responsibilities of a churchman. We've talked about a bunch of things. And I really do think it, that God wants us to be experts uh, at what we are called to do in the relationship of the church. And so Ephesians 2.11 talks about that God has torn down the wall so that you know Israel, Israelites and Gentiles are called into the body of Christ, and we are then gifted for the purpose of building up the body of Christ, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, where we are an active part of the maturity of the body. And part of that is not only knowing what the scripture says, but I think it's helpful to read other pastors and men who understand that calling and can articulate truth. So we have three books with us around the table that we're going to talk about that you should read, especially if you're in Cornerstone. Absolutely. Yeah. And what I love about all three of these books is one, they come under the authority of scripture Two, they're helpful in understanding my relationship with the church. Three, they're helpful at articulating the role of the church. And 
I would argue that deficiencies that exist among believers in terms of church believer relationship probably stem back to one of those, one of those three. One, you, you probably don't know the purpose of the church. Uh, two, you don't understand your responsibilities to the church. And three, you don't necessarily understand how to live within the church. Mm. Uh, I think church splits happen because uh, pride, yep. uh, because people in the church lose track of what the vision of the church is. Uh, people lose track of who's responsible for what. Uh, they don't submit to, to the headship of Jesus Christ. And so even as we walk in mature, as we walk in unity together, there's, there's got to be some kind of we understand how the church functions and what our goal is. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Um, that's such a great summary. Uh, I just, um, you know, an overview of the, the issue here. I mean, uh, most people, myself included, probably most Christians, you know, we, we get saved and we think everything was about us, but we realize, no, there's a church involved here. There's right. a church family. Um, and we've never really, you know, thought through what that church should look like, what its responsibilities are, what, right. what are my responsibilities. So yeah, um, such a, this is an important discussion in the books that we're going to go over. I mean, each chapter could probably be a podcast. Oh, honestly, <laughs> easily. yes. So this yes. is just a Zoom overview kind of, of, of um, you know, what you need to read and um, why yes. it's important. So. Oh, absolutely. You are, you're 100% right. Uh, the the mission of the church is to make disciples who worship Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and uh, even even the fact that some people are looking for churches to have vision statements is a problem. Yeah, because there it's you don't need to create something that Scripture's already created and said this is your job. Go mm-hmm. do this. And I love that uh, church planning is for wimps. That book by McKinley he he makes that point. You don't. You don't go to the Yankees and ask them what they're about. The Yankees are about winning World Series, even though they haven't done it in the last decade. But they try to win World Series. And here you have the same thing with with the church. We are about making disciples. And so, but I also think we look around at the church landscape, and some churches, it is hard to say that's a church. And why do we struggle to say that's a church? Right or why do we struggle with some people's church? And it's, you know, there's a part of me as a pastor that recognizes, hey, the way Cornerstone does something is not necessarily the same way another church does something. Uh, and yet, because I understand the church, I can also look at that church and go, you know what? It's okay that they're different than us because they actually aren't as different from us as you think they are. It just flushes out slightly different because you have different pastors and elders than we do, different part of the country, different region, different, you know, uh, different preferences. Mm -hmm. But at the same token, we're really a lot alike. Yes. Yeah. So um, the first book that we're going to talk about is really helpful for this because I think it lines out some standards or responsibilities that a church has Mm -hmm. to the church. And it's the nine marks of a healthy church by Mark Dever. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, by the way, I actually, if I could write that book, there would be 10 marks available. I was going to say, this is probably not every mark that, that uh, could ever be thought of. Right. This just happens to be, I think he writes it somewhere in this book. He, these are the nine marks uh, of a healthy church, yeah. specifically in, in the context that we're in, um, in the, in the um, culture that we're in, yeah. the generation that we're in. Yeah. Well, um, what are the chapters on that? Uh, the, the title chap, chapter. Yeah, titles? maybe just read the. Yeah, nine so chapters. so chap so Mark one, expositional preaching. Mark two, biblical theology. Mark three, the gospel. Mark four, a biblical under, understanding of conversion. Mark five, a biblical understanding of evangelism. Mark six, a biblical understanding of church membership. Mark seven, biblical church discipline. Mark eight, a concern for discipleship and growth. Mark nine, biblical church leadership. Yeah, and then I would just add 10, biblical fellowship. There you go. Yep. Yeah. But what's helpful as you read that is he's not saying these are nine or 10 programs that a church has. Right. And I think that's important, right? So uh, the one thing that that book is helpful is, hey, these are principles that you see the church is committed to. Yes. Yeah. Not necessarily nine programs that the church is committed to. Correct. Right. Right. There's not. This is kind of, um, if anything, this is like the anatomy of a church, maybe, or yeah, there you a, go. A, yeah, or a, um, you know, what makes, uh, I don't know. Right. Yeah. What makes a, a church healthy? Like they're doing these things. They're practicing these. This is part of their lifeblood. Right. Yeah. So when you when you look, it is it is a fair question to ask: Is this church an expository? Right, so a couple reasons why this might be helpful. Um, like here at Cornerstone, we have a lot of Air Force people that come in, and they're here for two to three years, then they move on. Mm-hmm. There's a part of me that, again, I don't know where they're from, so I always believe the best, but there's also that part of me that's like, man, if I can help them better understand the church so that when they go, when they leave here, they know what to look for, Yes. then I feel like we've we've helped out. Um, also I have to know more than just my salvation. Right. And so, like you said, it's not just me and God, it's me and God in the body of Christ. Yes. So it is helpful to understand. And I think these nine essentials are really the starting point to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what is expository preaching? You know, and unfortunately I think some people say, oh, that's line by line preaching. That's actually not expository preaching. Mm-hmm. I've seen bad line by line teaching. Yes, preaching. Or you'll see somebody who line by line, and it's like, okay, here's Ephesians four six, and oh, gifts of the church. Now let's go to First Corinthians twelve. And it's like, well, are we preaching Ephesians four, or are we preaching First Corinthians twelve? So expository preaching is not even launching from the text into other text. Expository preaching is the ability to come under the authority of the text, and then explain the meaning of the text. Yes, and so you can actually have a sermon series that is topical and exposition at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like our resurrection series came under the authority of the text, mm-hmm. but it just wasn't a line by line teaching through one book of the Bible. Yeah. I think people confuse expository preaching with presentation as well. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. That's why they think it's line by line. Yes. Uh, when, when really we're just asking, what, what did the Lord say? And now, now we just happen to, it, it, it just works out that we do go through books, and that is helpful for the preacher, right? I mean, yes. you know what you're going to preach next week. You're going to preach the next passage. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and that's helpful for the congregation um, because then we are coming under the authority of 
the text because, you know, God, the Holy Spirit gave us that text through that writer. And what that writer intends to communicate is what God has to say to us. And if you're not trying to figure that out in your sermon, if you're not telling that to the people, then are you really preaching God's word? Right. Um, So... Yep. No, it is helpful because I think part of it too is there's there's more than just explaining the line of a text or the paragraph of the text. There's also a logic to the text that you're trying to teach people. Yes. And so I would argue like Ephesians is not, right? Paul's not just trying to teach me to blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed with us every spiritual blessing. He's trying to also point out how that needs to connect to my walk. And so mm-hmm. expository preaching is going to draw those connections within the book. Yes. Yeah. But you also might, you know, your elders might say, hey, I think it's important that we teach on marriage. Well, at that point, it might be better, right? Your pastor might take a systematic approach to teaching on marriage for a while. Yes. And, and so at some level, there's a preference there of how that fleshes out, but it really is the coming under the authority of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if we're teaching a marriage, we're really asking, what does God say about marriage? Yes. And so, you know, all the relevant texts would matter, but those those passages or those those uh, verses um, need to um, you know they, they they need to come they need to be interpreted in light of the authorial intent of that book right so so that you're you're not you're not just like taking that line and making it say what you want it to say but it actually intends to say what it has to say about marriage right um, so yeah no that's a uh, that's yeah I mean. Yeah, so you're coming under authority, but and we're not we're not going to go through all the nine marks the same way this way. But I think what's helpful about that book is he does talk about expository preaching, right? He talks about how biblical doctrine needs to flush out, uh, and the gospel, of course, is central to the church. You are, you know, an understanding conversion. So really, all of those points I would say are essential. Yeah, um, having a biblical understanding of of human beings and converted and non converted is extremely helpful in your church life too, because, you know, uh, any given Sunday you have members and guests, and sometimes those guests are believers or unbelievers. Unfortunately, sometimes you may even have a member who's an unbeliever. Mm -hmm. Um, But understanding, right, and that's not by design. Nobody, Nobody's like, oh, you're an unbeliever. We're going to let you be a member, right? It's just sometimes people are good at deceiving, and you give them the benefit of that and you make them a member, you know, I don't know anybody that's like, oh, we willingly make unbelievers members. There might be some churches out there, but not none not that us. are going to follow the nine marks. Right, right. Yeah, okay. So, but but having that understanding as well helps you navigate your church relationships because now when you're encountering a guest who's not saved or doesn't believe in Jesus, it really does redefine the expectations you have for that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas somebody who's a professing believer you can you can trust that the spirits at work in them in a way that sanctifies them. Mm-hmm. So even even that belief is really helpful to the church and to yourself. So yeah. Yeah, so generally speaking this this book is great for who? Uh I would say that book is is great for leaders and really to me all of these books are great for everybody. Yes. Okay. Um because at the end of the day uh whether you're in leadership in a church or not you, the Bible does have standards. God does have standards for his church. And these are nine healthy standards that the scripture talks about that we need to follow suit on. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, even, even leadership, uh, you don't raise up leaders. God raises up leaders and you discern it. Yes. Uh, and, and so understanding what a biblical leader is, is helpful, right? Understanding that, um, just because somebody has been in the church for three weeks and has been an elder at another church or has led a Bible study in another church, that doesn't make him qualified necessarily to be a leader in this church. Yeah. And understanding why your church might go slow in developing leaders or in laying hands on leaders, that that's a part of it too. Mm-hmm. You know, but on the flip side, if a church has been around 10 or 15 years and they don't have any other leaders in the church, then you have to ask the question, wait a minute, is leadership essential to this church? Mm-hmm. And so at least having these nine principles can can help you investigate churches you're thinking about visiting or address issues within your own church. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's some kind of standard, right, that's not arbitrary. And, you know, unfortunately, I've heard people who are like, oh, we visited your church and we didn't really care for it. And it's like, oh, okay. And you find out why. And it's like, it's all style and preferences. Yep. And it's like, well, that's fair. Yeah, we're not going to probably be like your old church that you came from, from Kansas. We're not in Kansas. Like we're mm-hmm. in Nevada. Mm-hmm. We're in Vegas. Not you know? in Kansas anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're not going to have um, slot machines in our church, but at the same token, like, you know what I mean? And, or, oh, you know, you'll hear people, oh, we chose this church because our friends go there. Yeah. Well, I actually think we're all going to be held a little bit more accountable than that. Mm-hmm. You know, that I'm not going to pick my church because my friends go there. Now, what a what a benefit if my friends go to a good church and they've had the right discernment in picking a church, amen, hallelujah, we'll be there with you. But, you know, just because our friends go there is not a good reason to pick a church. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this is helpful in even as you talk to people, um, you know, I think, and that's a hard part because everyone... Like as a as a as a new believer or even a person that's been going to church for a long time, I don't know if people actually. This book is groundbreaking because people have not thought about ch- attending or looking for churches in this way. Right. You know. Oh yeah, I'm going to go to this church. Um, well, what should I look for? There's like these nine things. Uh, usually, people just go without any expectations, and they get sucked in emotionally, or they get sucked in through some kind of program that they, they that tickles their maybe. Hobby horse, and they're, they they go to church, and it's really a, a bad church or a right. church that's not going to grow them, or maybe not even a church. Right. Um, and it's unfortunate for if they're a believer, then you know um, it's almost like I mean I know the Holy Spirit's working in them, but um, if they're not in a healthy church, and you know it's it's not going to be good. It's not going to be beneficial for them. No, it's really not. So. No, it's, um, and I think the other thing that's helpful, right? So if you come into Cornerstone, these these are kind of nine things that we strive to do. And, you know, in Cornerstone, it's not always, um, you know, programs. Like we don't have an evangelism program. We equip you to evangelize. And we try to get you to understand that uh, the people you work with and see every day are your primary evangelism field. So your mm-hmm. kids, your, sp- your spouse, I mean, even if your spouse is a believer, right, you still want to be the kind of spouse that's pointing your spouse to Christ. And so yeah. evangelism is not a program. It's something you're about. It's yeah. something you care about. Now, we don't, we don't oppose 
uh, evangelism you know, pointed ministries. Right. No, of course it's, not. It's just it's the, it's the, our goal is to equip you for evangelism and yeah. Um, yeah, I just want to make sure I said that. Oh, yes. in public. Yes. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always somebody that's like, well, you, you know, even what people think of as evangelism to me, you know, uh, the modern mind. What is evangelism? And I think most people answer that um, giving somebody you don't know the gospel. And it's like, what about people you do know? Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, it's no, it's like a track or, or, you know, the way of the master, which is fine. I'm just not a, there's more than one way to evangelize. The way of the master is one of them, one of them, yes, uh, not the way of the master. Right. So, yeah. Uh, a way of the master. A way of the master, <laughs> yes. Uh, but, right, and so, you know, programs are good, but but they've got to serve the body. But I think looking at what essentials are there. And so if you come into a service on Sunday with us, right, we're, we are going to encourage you to give the gospel to people. We are trying to get you to understand that blessed are the peacemakers, that you should be concerned about the souls of your friends and family. And then we're trying to equip you to minister to them. Uh, which requires expository preaching, biblical doctrine. Uh, you've got to have godly leaders, right? Understanding conversion, the gospel, church membership, all of these things work together as well. Yes. Yeah. And so having some something, some level of criteria, but also, right, for me, okay, now let me start to prioritize these things in my life. So if I understand that the church needs to expository preach, right? You can start to even ask this question. Well, that means I need to hear expository preaching. I need to know biblical doctrine. I need to know the gospel. Am I about the gospel? You know? And so mm-hmm. it just really does, uh, you know, the application for this book is more than just the new believer. Uh, you, I would imagine you could give this to a church that's trying to, that realizes they've lost their way and needs to right the ship. Yep. Here's where we go. Start working on these things. Yep. Yep. All right. Anything else on nine marks? Um, not at the moment, but I'm sure it'll come up. Yeah. Okay. This is a good book. Uh, my favorite book on the church, and this is book number two, is Life in the Body of Christ uh, by Curtis Thomas. Uh, this book wins the award for ugliest book cover in the history <laughs> of book covers. Uh, uh, it's by Founders Press. and That's uh, on purpose. Ah, gosh, it is so The ugly. Lord wants to see, you know. Yeah. Don't judge a book by yeah. its cover. Yeah. He's going to reward you even more if you buy this book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You would not normally buy this. But this book, I love this book. Listen, if you come to me and say, I'm not a reader, uh, so I don't know if I can finish this book. I'm just telling you in the back of my mind that I think you're a pansy if you can't read this book. Uh Uh-oh. Like a pansy. Like the average chapter is three to four pages. Oh, I like that. It's my kind of book. Yeah, and even... Almost in every chapter, there are bullet points. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there's scripture, bullet points. There are, I mean, listen to the range of this, right? One, the the title of the book is helpful because duties and responsibilities, life life in the body of Christ, privileges and responsibilities in the local church. I love that. The, the, The subtitle is phenomenal because it is a privilege to be in the body of Christ. It is also a responsibility to be in the local church. And so the way this guy approaches this book is to explain to you, Hey, these are the things that God has called you in. And these are the responsibilities that he's put before you that you need to do. And so it's stuff like, 
Okay, guarding our minds. Uh, be a Barnabas, an encourager. Prayer, private and public. Uh, church finances, our part, right? And so uh, there is a responsibility I have to give money to the church. Friendship with the world. Trust, always the starting point. Our work matters to God. Punctuality, being on time. Uh, you know, then he's got like, so that's kind of personal responsibility. He's got a section on joining a body, the church, the universal and local. And I, even that's huge. Understanding that, that you need to be a part of a local work and not just sit at home and say, I'm a part of the universal church. No, you need elders who are shepherding your soul. Just how important is the church? Joining a church, baptism, uh, the Lord's supper, right? And so all of these are things that will prep you in the body of Christ. He's got, you know, um, I love this one. Volunteerism or responsibility? It's actually not volunteerism. It's a responsibility. Mm. Uh, ministry, I thought that was the pastor's duty. Amen. Preach on, brother. <laughs> uh, it's all of our responsibilities, right? The the pastor, the, the elders are here to equip you to do ministry. Um, he's got one on choosing a pastor, how to listen to a sermon. That sermon was weak. How should I react? Uh, what if your pastor falls, dismissing your pastor, deacons, honored servants, uh, gifts and ministries of the, in the body, the many one another's, every member is a minister, greeters. Uh, so he's got stuff on uh, your home, a hospitality center. He's got stuff on um, missions. How should I confront my fellow member? Church problems, be a part of the solution. Unity and diversity, our church is weak. So he really has got some very practical, but at the same time, very important topics. I feel like he should change the title and to, change the cover. You know, the title should be Everything You Need to Know. <laughs> yes. The almanac of, of like church life. I don't know. Yes. Um, uh, it, it it covers so many practical things that you didn't really think about. Yes. Um, and so useful. Like you can pick up this book and like, oh yeah, I need to be doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, it's just a great like practical way to like think about your life as a uh, as a church uh, member and uh, see you know see where where you're falling short. Even you know what I mean? Like, yes. gosh, there's like. If you think you're falling short, you probably are. And like, if you pick up this book, you'll, you'll, you can see where like you can just to, you know, just be a better uh, servant in the church, a better member, a better brother and sister. Um, I mean, I think it is, uh, even has a um, uh, part or a, a section on like how to encourage your pastor or something yes. like that. Like, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yes. Like, um, just simple things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, you know, it's helpful. Um, so this book was published in, uh, well, the fourth printing was in 2013. And so I want to say that because it's interesting, right? Because he asked the question, um, just how important is the church? And, and at some point in the book, he says, consider the following. And these are bullet points. This is part of the glory of the book is that sometimes he, he explains and sometimes he just gives you bullet points to think on. So how important is your church? Consider the following. It provides you a daily and weekly fellowship. It warns and encourages you. It helps hold you accountable. It provides communion for you. It challenges you to use your spiritual gifts. It provides a place for those gifts to be exercised. It helps protect you from heresy. It guides you to godly living. It spiritually ministers to your family 
It collectively supports Christian causes and missions around the world. It often means the salvation of souls, perhaps even yours. It helps you when you are spiritually, emotionally, physically, or financially in need. Mm. Uh, which, you know, again, sometimes we're so drained, oh, I want to stay home. No, if you're drained, get up and go. It is a pillar and ground of truth in your area. It disciplines you when you develop a sinful lifestyle. It helps bring down racial barriers. That's why I noticed this is before, because right now, you know, it's a big topic. So this is not in response to quote-unquote woke theology. This this is, listen, uh, you could say not just racial, right? Any prejudicial barriers that might exist. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there are times where you would never hang out with people of a different culture, but the church brings those down. It, it really does shatter barriers. Uh, yeah, and so this is one of those books, right, that this this is for people who are like, okay, you know, you hear your pastor say, you need to serve the church. Well, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. This is that, this is what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is probably, I'm, I'm the, this, one of the most sad things that is, that is in my life is this. My, my OG copy of this book has been loaned out and I have no clue where it is. Oh man. I know. Isn't that sad? Yeah. It's it, all my notes. Is it the same printing? It's the same cover, right? No, it was the, it was the even uglier. <laughs> cover. That, that cover was borderline sinful. Oh wow. Yeah. That is funny. It was bad, but you know, it's fine. It's phenomenal content. Yeah. So, uh, I think one of the things that's even helpful in this G is, um, there, there's a section on missions. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think there's a section for everything. There really is. I think he needs to, maybe everything you need to know Yeah. about church life. Yeah. And some of is it missing something? I mean, is Let's it see. is it like nine nine marks you said required a tenth one, and you're gonna write the book, the missing mark of a ch- yeah. of a healthy church one day. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what chapter is this book missing? I don't see a chapter on coffee. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Yeah. How to choose a coffee? Um, yeah. Coffee equipment for the uh, bar, coffee bar. Yeah. How to avoid your local Starbucks? <laughs> uh yeah. Honestly, there are some things that are said in this book, too, that people need to learn and kind of, there are some tough pills to swallow in this book, Hmm. but are probably helpful. Um, You know, some of that ranging from realistic expectations of your pastor. Uh, I actually honestly think this is one of the joys of being in Cornerstone is I have not found anybody that really has unrealistic expectations of us. But if you were listening to this in a different part of the world, uh, maybe in the Bible Belt area, I remember learning in seminary, wow, the culture in the Bible Belt had very unrealistic expectations of their pastor. Mm. And almost to the point where it's like, man, I don't know any human being that could serve in that capacity. Right. So the expectation of... Uh, almost to be poor, to like have no money, you know, so the pastor mm-hmm. can't have a nice car. Uh, he's got to preach phenomenal sermons. He needs to be meeting with people. Uh, he's got to be the CEO of the company. He's got to be, you know, vision setter. And when you, by the time it's all said and done, you're like, man, most companies would have six different people doing that. Mm-hmm. And you want the pastor doing all of those. 
And, uh, you know, but that comes from that mindset of uh, it's the pastor's job to do ministry, and we just show up and hear him on Sunday. Uh, okay, yeah. So uh, this is this is really good, right? Because pastors have personal, family, and emotional needs too. They need friendship, fellowship, rest, recreation, some time away from their work since they're on call seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and often their hours are long and erratic. There are times when their family plans must be shelved because of sudden emergencies within the church body. Mm-hmm. Illnesses, operations, deaths, sudden marital problems, the loss of a job and other pressing needs regularly come up within the body and the pastor is often the first one who is contacted. This means that the pastor must suddenly cancel or rearrange his family plans or his personal time or other pastoral duties to help shepherd the flock through some sudden crisis. And I think I think that's where it's helpful too is that yeah. um, these are things, right? You come up to me and ask, and Gino, no, you and I are not quick to talk about a lot of this part of pastoral ministry but it is it is that part that comes with the job. In a sense, you know, sometimes a day off is an afternoon off where and sometimes the afternoon off is two hours where it's like, hey, you know what, for these next two hours, I'm just gonna do something else. Mm-hmm. But there's, you know, and even even pastors have to learn to like just you know what, it's okay if I do that. It's okay to take two hours off and yeah. Yeah. Go have lunch with your wife. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So anyway, uh, it's a really helpful book, How to Listen to a Sermon, which, by the way, uh, should be a part of discipleship. If you just yeah. walk in expecting your pastor to entertain you in a sermon, you are not well prepared. You have got to feed on your pastor's sermons. Yeah. Uh, whether they be weak or strong, uh, that's the diet that God has given you. More important than listening 40 hours a week to your favorite radio pastor. Mm. Your pastor has prayed for you and thought about you in the construction of those sermons. Mm-hmm. Maybe not specifically and individually, but he has thought about the congregation and what the congregation needs. So, Amen. Yep. Uh, it's awesome. He says, you know, get ready to listen. Get sufficient rest before the message so that your mind is not so worn out that it cannot listen. Pray mm-hmm. continually asking God to help you to understand and respond properly to his word. Make sure that you have everything needed. Bible, writing, pad, pen, paper, sit where you can see and hear, make sure personal needs are taken care of, motivate yourself, the responsibility for developing interest and understanding is primarily yours before God. Responsibility for Mm. developing interest and understanding is primarily yours. That's right. Wow. Make a conscious effort to be optimistic and interested in the beginning. And I I think, you know, sometimes I remember somebody early on was like, well, why can't you be more like Piper? Well, I'm not John Piper. (laughs) Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I don't want to be John. Entertain me. Yeah. yeah, you can't have that attitude. That's you're you're, you're going to go. You're not going to benefit yourself ever if um if you go in that way. No, the spirit wants to work in you, and um he 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 will use uh, whoever God puts in front of you. Um, and you have to have the right attitude. Right. Yeah. In big bold letters, he says, "Do not let the style of the speaker stop you from listening." Amen. Yeah. Are you apologizing for your style? Yep. <laughs> Be an active listener, work at listening, evaluate, respond. Yeah. So all of these things I think are just, you know, the whole, the book is filled with, you know, even, even an encouragement to build your own private library, to be reading outside of, of scripture, um, our, you know, just really helpful book mm. in terms of what, you know, good book to take somebody through in discipleship, good book to read personally, good book to go through with your family, good book to tell your kids about, good book to tell your, you know, to maybe go through with your kids. Yeah, go through with the family, actually. This yeah. is 
this is because it's so uh, simply written in bullet points. It's in yes. short. It's like easy. Yeah, yeah. Good you gotta stuff. love a book that's short, sweet, and to the point. Honestly, discipleship. Yes. I mean, like walking you believer through some of these things. Yeah. Well, and Cornerstone, we we are in the process of developing something where this is going to hit. Uh, when, once we get the details done, we will I, we will roll out the plan. But but yes. we have something developing to help that is going to go through that book at some point. Okay, third book, probably the most, uh, probably one of the other ones that we've gone through, I think three times in Cornerstone, uh, and not necessarily specifically about the church, yeah. but about us in the church. Mm-hmm. It's like more like a pamphlet, actually. Yes, it's actually, yes. It's a part of the book, um, The Exemplary Husband by Stuart Scott, and it's a little pamphlet from Pride to Humility. And again, another lament. Somebody borrowed my marked-up copy of this, and I don't have it anymore. And so I had taught three, two, three times with that marked-up pamphlet. And I had so many notes. Oh, so sad. Mm-hmm. But how do you write to be upset is to be prideful and praise God that it was able to serve somebody. Amen. So, yeah. All right, so from Pride to Humility, Gina, do you, do you want to talk about, like, what is it about this book that you think has been really helpful to the church? <clears throat> Yeah, so so nine marks kind of gives us the general overview, overview uh, of the church, what its goals should be, and then the life in the body is so practical on like individually what you should be doing. Right. And pride and humility, pride and humility um, is a book really that um, I would say emphasizes our posture as an individual member of the church. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So it, this is um, you know if this is what your walk should look like on a daily. Basis. Right. This is your attitude um, that you. This is Jesus Christ on display, right? He He is the ultimate humble. Um, you know, I did not come to serve, but to serve right. um, and to give my life for a ransom of uh, to, for the as a ransom for many. So that's that's the same posture that we ought to imitate. And this book um, gets into the nitty gritty details on that what that looks like. Things that you've never ever thought of, like why. Your intro uh, introvertedness it could be sinful, or your extrovertedness could be sinful. Things like that. Right. That's so helpful, and it just helps you rethink um, everything you do, how you think and live in, in, in the body. So essential if we're going to be ministering to one another um, and rubbing shoulders with different people from different cultures, different backgrounds, different church backgrounds. I mean, it just um, this book will help us just. Uh, set the expectations for ourselves correctly and the expectations of others correctly. Yeah. How would you define humility? Just if somebody like your own personal, not, not trying to give his definition. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think if you, you've ingrained this in my mind. Um, I, I can't help but think service and, you know, service now, which really is um, that, uh, that, that Mark verse and also that Matthew twenty twenty verse which yep. I did not come to be served, but to serve. I mean, I think if you, it, that it's, I, I like that because it's picturesque and it's simple. Yes. You know? Yeah. Like and so if, if serving and, and the object of our service is. Well, the ultimate object is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Um, but, um, you know, our service is uh, for the one and others. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if it's, and so what gets in the way of, of us serving other people? ourselves yeah <laughs> you know. yeah and that's the pride right and yeah. uh i mean how many how many issues have you dealt with where you just 
at some point quickly realized this is pride. Um, I mean, the heart of of like most sin or all sin is really it is pride. It's like we're always trying to peel back the onion, trying to figure out uh, what you know how pride is. So we know that it's manifesting this way. We know it's pride, but like, where is it? You know, where is it hiding? Right. Yeah. Where is it hiding? Like, how are you thinking about yourself? That 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 the pride is coming out, manifesting itself this way in anger or whatever it is that you're you're struggling with. Yeah. Yeah. The mind. So, so Scott's definition of pride is the mindset of self, hmm. a master's mindset rather than that of a servant. Uh-huh. A focus on self and the service of self, a pursuit of self recognition and self exaltation and a desire to control and use all things for self. Ooh. So, I mean, right. So you think about making disciples. Well, how are you going to make disciples if you're focused on yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's the beauty of this book, right? Is not only the definition, but then he has 30 different ways that, Pride manifests itself. Yeah. Um, so from uh, a couple of my favorite ones is, um, well, they're not my favorite ones. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But a couple that I think are helpful. Uh, one being unteachable. Yep. Because, again, have you, ever, have you ever thought about that? Like good teachers are good learners. Yeah. Yeah. And especially in the church, a lot of times we're teaching the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. But because we're learning what we're teaching, we're also developing and further teaching what we've already taught. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think the funniest one is talking too much. <laughs> I don't know if that's a, 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 a is that one of the oh no that's one of them oh it is okay. yeah way to go Gina thank you well yeah. that wasn't as subtle I'm just kidding see that was pride right? I didn't instantly think, yeah. think that somebody's talking about you yeah. yeah I wasn't talking about you Jason no oh, worry no it's okay yeah it, it's funny because Ramil and I you know we're talking and he's like uh, yeah sometimes your greatest strength is your also your greatest weakness and it's yeah. like huh yeah. <laughs> yep yeah that's funny. Well, even um, a lack of gratitude in general, mm. you know, uh, yep. and and the, the thing about that is is pride is against God, but I, I think a lot of us don't realize how much pride gets in the way of other relationships. Yep. You know, my guess is that whatever problem you have with your spouse, pride is at the heart of that. Oh, yeah. Whether, you know, you may think, uh, you know, even even if you're like, well, I mean, what are the four main problems in marriage, right? Communication. So, again, pride enters the picture in that uh, I don't like the way you communicate or I don't feel like you need to communicate this or I've already communicated this, you should know. Mm-hmm. Uh, expectations. Uh, I expect you to know when, you know, the person may not realize. They may even be just having a bad day. and You know, it's just not service-oriented. Mm-hmm. Sex. Mm-hmm. Um you either your pride of upset that your spouse isn't enough or isn't pleasing you the way you just think you deserve. Uh, and then money, right? And mm-hmm. that's usually like, I want the money spent here. But, you know, some other manifestations is the pity party, pride. You don't feel like you are getting what you deserve. Yep. Um, 
you know, and sometimes even, you know, you see pride manifest this way in the church. Oh, I'm not, I'm just not growing in this church. Oh uh, yeah. Well, honestly, it's probably your pride. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, I always ask the question, well, what are you doing in the church? How are you serving? And a lot of times you quickly discover that they're not, they don't have relationships in the church and they blame the church for that. It's the church's fault that I don't have relationships. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you might have to work hard at that, mm-hmm. you know, or, and you also might be at a very immature church to where people don't know they need to have relationships. So it may take time for you to develop those. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Um, yeah. I mean, the, this book is going to, um, it, it'll wreck you if you, if you're honest. Yes. Um, and, uh, it should hopefully it, it should like identify pride where you did not know it existed. Um, yeah. And it just make you a better servant yeah. is what it's going to do. Yeah. And we need, we need servants, um, like we do. that. We do. I mean, if we're going to make disciples, right? We're not making masters. We're making disciples. Right. So. Learners. Well, and I think the next time we teach this, it'll be, um, you know, humility. There's a focus on Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I kind of want to teach us the next time where we look at the manifestations of humility because you do see them in Christ. Yes. You know, um, being thankful and grateful in general towards others, being gentle and patient. Hmm. Humble people want to act like God and they are not focused on what they want. They also want to love others the way God loves them. They are willing to wait and not easily irritated. Hmm. And so I think... I mean, I think we've seen that, right? Because we we kind of ingrain this pride and humility where we are quick to call the spade the spade. And so we'll even, I mean, I, I think we've all had conversations with other people where it's like, well, that's pride. You know, and the point there is not to jab them. The point there is to point it out. Mm-hmm. And so what, what fruit do you see by pointing that, you know, by kind of having a, a church where we all know we're striving for humility and we're quick to point out pride? Yes. Yeah. So what, what fruit have you seen kind of from that? Um, the fruit of, of, of kind of our labors in, in shooting that direction? Well, just in, in terms of having the... So I think the one thing about going through this book together is it's created a a church-wide language. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I think has been... I think has been helpful. Yeah. 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 Yes. I mean, I mean how, how, many, how many places do you know that... Um, I mean, there's there's no company out there, except the church. I think that um, that says, "Hey, we strive for humility." Right? Yes. Um, and actually, humility, that posture, is crucial to making disciples. Yes. And if you if you're not a humble disciple maker, you're just all you're doing is creating um, people who are prideful. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. So. Well, and the ability. As a church, to study this together and say, okay, hey, this is a part of our language. Um, so don't be offended if we say, oh, that's pride. Yeah. Because the goal here is not to to belittle you or to beat you upside the head. We are saying that as other people who struggle with pride, mm-hmm. who realize we have pride, who also are calling out our own pride, because we're trying to be better at serving you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I mean, the goal is to be better servants. Yes. And if we're going to do that, we got to get rid of pride. Yeah. Yeah. So, so and, and at the heart of that is knowing the gospel, knowing Jesus Christ, 
understanding his work and his character and then asking ourselves, how do we look? I, I'm not a fan of the what would Jesus do bracelets, but on the other hand, there is there. I don't want to avoid the reality that we do learn something by knowing his character and his heart and his motives yeah. and his goals. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. The gospel is both the rest I have and the example of how I live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So three books, uh, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church, uh, Duties by Mark Dever, Duties and Responsibilities, or I'm sorry, Life in the Body of Christ, Duties and Responsibilities. Uh, Privileges. Privileges and responsibilities. Privileges and responsibilities. So the second book is Life in the Body of Christ. Privileges and Responsibilities in the Local Church by Curtis C. Thomas. Curtis with a C. Mm -hmm. And then the booklet From Pride to Humility by Stuart Scott. Excellent. Honorable mentions might be The Trellis and the Vine. Yes. And When the Church was Family by Hellerman. Mm. And um, The Deliberate Church by Mark Dever as well. I like it. Yes. Okay. Book of Acts. Yeah. Ephesians. Book of, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I will say, so I know uh, oh, I'm going to hold off announcements on future podcasts because I don't want to do that to people. But Fair. Yeah, we've got some stuff coming up that I'm kind of excited about uh, on gray issues. And uh, we still need to talk about Imago Day. That's got to come up where we talk uh, about. That's the one that yeah, we were supposed to. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, as we quit brainstorming here on the podcast, uh, if there's anything we can do to serve you, please let us know. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on Sundays. We love you, Cornerstone. And until then.